Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today we're talking with Dr. Evan Anderson of Anna Shaw Children's Institute in Dalton. First off, it is great seeing you again, Dr. Anderson. I'm glad you're with us. It's my treat to be here. Dr. Anderson is a child psychologist at Anna Shaw Children's Institute. They're at 1201 Burleson Road behind Hamilton Medical Center in Dalton, Georgia. He specializes in the treatment of anxiety, the psychological assessment of children, and behavioral management for children who are experiencing developmental delays or have medically complex cases. He also provides parent-child interaction therapy, that's PCIT. Dr. Anderson graduated from the University of Central Arkansas with a PhD in counseling psychology and completed his internship in pediatric child clinical psychology at the University of Texas at Austin. Dr. Anderson, can you tell us more about Anna Shaw Children's Institute? Absolutely. We opened back in 2019. We're dedicated in the memory of Anna Sue Shaw, and we serve children's birth to age 11 who experience challenges with developmental delays. Our team includes me and other psychologists, two developmental behavioral pediatricians. We have physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech and feeding therapists, and even a music therapist. We have a great team of behavioral analysts and some other dedicated professionals that help our, our patients connect to community resources. We help these kids navigate all of their, develop their motor skills, um, help them if they're having any issues with uh, behavior or academics. Uh, We help them develop life skills if they're having trouble eating. We we can even help them with that. So we really try to help these kids navigate some of the unique obstacles that they experience that other kids don't. You know, there's a lot when it comes to kids, a lot of issues and problems that are what we would consider adult problems that kids have nowadays. Absolutely. That they have to to battle through and, and get through. And peer pressure is uh, so strong. Are you, are you finding a lot of peer pressure issues? Kids obviously want to do what all the other kids are doing. Uh, they, they look to other kids to, to model after, especially when kids don't exactly fit in um, in conventional ways. They want to find uh, ways to fit in, and sometimes they might gravitate towards kids that aren't making the best choices. I and understand. So in that sense, yes, we absolutely are dealing with peer pressure issues, and we're trying to help them to find their wings, so to speak, and, and tap help them tap into their strengths and um, help them to to be who they are rather than try to be what other kids are. This is your second visit with us. It is. You are on the very first show we had. That's right. And I appreciate you coming back. It's a pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Got a lot of ground to cover today. In fact, today we're going to be talking about screen time. Screen time, like in front of an iPad or in front of a television, that's what we're talking about. That's right. Uh, Dr. Anderson, why is limiting the amount of time our children spend on devices so important nowadays? It's one of those things that can impact child's development in ways that aren't surprising and in some ways that are surprising. I think before we jump too much into it, it's really important to remember that content that is made for children has changed over the years. You know, a couple of decades ago, it was very heavily regulated. Committees would meet together and they would discuss if this was appropriate to show to children. And, you know, they, they would often push educational agendas and uh, kids programming was very structured. Now you're talking about television. Yeah. Okay. Now we have we have apps that are focused on children. We have YouTube channels that are targeting children. Um, and then we have streaming services that aren't as heavily regulated. They're not really targeting educational endeavors. They're, they're more focused 
focused on entertainment and distraction. And so these things need to be managed or they can uh, take over a child's life and, and become all they think about. So we need to recognize as parents and as caregivers that these products that are targeting children are meant to consume as much of their time as possible and as much of their attention as possible because that means more money. These are products that are targeted at actually kids as a product. And so they're not overly concerned with their development. Some There's some shows that are exceptional, and we'll talk about some of those those exceptions. But uh, we have to understand that while kids consume media, there's a high risk of interacting with bullies, with cyberbullying, with being given uh, misleading information. There's There might be advertising that we don't want our children to see, and they might see violence or just content that we would rather them not see. And it's not always predictable when that content is going to be present on a game, an app, or a show. It's not as, as predictable as it used to be. Well, you're right. And a lot of these games nowadays, that has really changed since I was a kid. And with the lack of, of regulation, government regulation, that sometimes I think, and I'm not a big person that the government should regulate everything that we do, but a lot of that regulation, I think, should still be in effect when it comes to children, children's television and, and things uh, the children do every day. They're bombarded by things uh, in social media, uh, on the screens that they hold. And, and, you know, one of the things my daughter tells me that at school, you know, they're all issued uh, tablets. Yeah. You know, they, they not only do they have that, they're, they're, I mean, they're given that. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to remember that we do need to teach our kids how to live in a world with screens because they're everywhere and they're very integrated into our daily lives. Just if we allow kids to consume media on their terms, I think they're naturally going to find some things that we'd rather them not find or they're just going to spend an inordinate amount of time with those screens and not focus on other important things that they need to be focusing on at that age. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of life that they're missing mm -hmm. by looking at that screen so many hours. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some of the research that has been done regarding screen time and children. We'll be right back. Is it time for a heart-to-heart? -heart? Ask your primary care physician if you should have a heart-to-heart -heart with one of Hamilton Physician Group's board-certified cardiologists. If you have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or diabetes, this can be especially important. Hamilton Physician Group Cardiology, located at 1436 Broderick Drive in Dalton. Call 706-226-3434 or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash cardiology. That's 706-226 3434. Be a hero. Stop a stroke. If you think someone you're with is having a stroke, ask him to smile. Does his face droop? Have him raise both arms. Does one arm drift down? Can he repeat a simple phrase without slurring? If you see even one of these symptoms, call 911 right away. Because when it's a stroke, every second counts. Hamilton Medical Center has a nationally ranked, highly trained rapid stroke team ready to care for you. Hamilton Medical Center, health for life. Did you know that colon cancer claims over 50,000 lives each year? The good news is that colonoscopies save lives. Convenient appointments are available at Hamilton Medical Center's new Bandy Endoscopy Center, located at the corner of Broadrick and Memorial Drives. Hamilton follows CDC guidelines and screens for COVID-19 symptoms at the door. If you are age 50 or older or have a family history of colon cancer, ask your primary care provider to schedule your colonoscopy. Please don't delay important medical screenings. Your health won't wait. 
If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. Welcome back to Health for Life. Today, talking with Dr. Evan Anderson, child psychologist at the Anna Shaw Children's Institute. Dr. Anderson, can you tell us more about some of the research that has been done about children and their use of technology? Yeah, absolutely. The research is really coming back and reflecting that technology use is something that significantly impacts uh, how kids function on a day-to-day basis, and especially from a mental health perspective. For instance, uh, compared to teens that consume about one hour of uh, screen time a day, teens who spend five or more hours are 71% more likely to exhibit suicide risk factors. And, you know, when you look at that, when you look at what consuming five hours a day looks like. It's, uh, you know, they're not really engaging with other people. Having strong connections to others is a very protective factor from depression and suicidality. Good problem-solving skills. I know there's probably some teenagers out there saying, you know, video games teach problem-solving skills, which which they do to a degree, but not really those social ones that we're, that we're looking for. And then, of course, uh, physical physical health is also a protective factor. And when, when kids are, are just inside and and stagnant, then they're not getting the exercise they need. Another thing is that a survey filled out by teachers, they report 67% of their students are looking at their phones during class. You know, while schools, you would you would assume, uh, would be taking these phones or requiring them to be in the backpack, I just think they've been powerless to stop these kids from pulling out their phones and texting their friends. And so kids are distracted in the school setting. And that's because I think they, they've, they haven't learned that it's okay to be without their phones. And so it's really impacting academics. And then, you know, you look at kids 8 to 12 and... It's estimated that they're on the on their screens about four to six hours a day. And when you reflect back on the previous statistic where mental health starts to decline after five hours a day of use, that becomes kind of a scary statistic in and of itself. And then when you consider that most teens are on their screens about nine hours a day, it really highlights the importance of creating boundaries and, and teaching our kids boundaries with screen time. Well, do, you, do you think that you were talking about kids that are on for five hours a day? Mm-hmm. Do you think that they are on the screen for five hours or more because that they are having that issue? Or do you think that because they're on the screen five hours or more, they're seeing things that tend to push them that way? Good question. Classic chicken or the egg, uh, which came first. And I think a lot of these kids, they learn a pattern of avoidance and escape. So when something is unpleasant or they just don't want to do something, there's always these screens there that are capable of distracting them. And the thing with apps and with games and with uh, movies and shows, they are extremely capable of distracting you from even the even the most significant of thoughts that you have. And so, you know, you look at like Netflix, you know, I love Netflix, but once one show is done, they immediately start a ne- the next True, one. Yes, and yes. with, with, they're a- trying to keep you they're, They try to hook you. And, and, you know, it's the same thing with apps. They have notifications that pop up, you know, Hey, it's time to cash in this or, um, Hey, you need to check in with this. And they want to bring you back. They want to, they want to make sure that you're spending time with them. And so it's very difficult to resist that. 
but it also is a perfect tool to distract yourself from what's going wrong in your life. And so it's easy to to give into that impulse and ignore some of the things that we should be addressing. Now, what about adults? Do, do we have that problem, too, with having too much screen time? Yeah, you know, we absolutely do. And I almost feel guilty talking about this so much in the context of children, because in many ways, I think adults are the problem. <laughs> I think a lot of children model model their lives after their caregivers. And the average adult is on their phone almost three hours a day. Oh, my. And and really, when you think about the average, it means you've got some adults that are on the phone far, far less, and you've got some adults that are on the phone far, far more than three hours a day. 96% of Americans own cell phones. Okay, so 80, 86% of adults respond to texts immediately after receiving them. And so that means whether they're in the middle of a conversation or wherever they're doing, they stop what they're doing and they engage with their technology. And so you've got to you've got to understand that kids are watching that and they see that technology is a priority. That you know, you don't need to put your phone away when you're talking to other people or when you're watching, even when you're watching TV, a lot of people are on their phones still. And so kids kids see adults consuming media, using their phone as a priority. And so, and I, and I suspect that's why kids think it's all right to pull out their phones in the middle of class, because why wouldn't you? They've seen their parents pull out their phone in the middle of a conversation and send a text, or they've maybe been reading a news article while they're helping their kids with their homework or whatever it might be. 84% of working adults use their phone during work hours. And so we've set this standard that it is okay not only is it okay, but it's almost expected for you to use your phone at all times. And so, so yes, the adults absolutely have this problem. And I think if you're going to talk about helping your children manage their screen time, that really begins with you managing your screen time. Well, as an adult, do you think, uh, or you may know this, that adults are using the this, this screen time, using their time on their telephones or, or on their tablets, they're using that time for educational purposes? like looking up something or reading something? Or do you think they're using that time for entertainment purposes? I think it's a little bit of both. And I think one of the scary things is that um, education has almost become entertainment. <laughs> and then I think a lot of articles are, are written in a way to really draw readers in. And so they're short and sweet and to the point. And so maybe some of the more nuances behind the topic aren't really being consumed. And, and there's so much, they're just hooking you trying to get in to read it so you can see that commercial, uh-huh. you know, that loads. <laughs> um, what, as an adult, what should we do about this? What, what's something we can do? Well, I think the first thing is to be aware of how your child should be consuming media at a certain age. So kids who are like 18 months, they really shouldn't be watching too many cartoons and, you know, sitting in front of the TV for hours at a time. I think, you know, you doing a video chat with them is a great way to introduce them to screens and and should be about the extent of, of their screen use. You know, right around two years old, Start watching some educational programming with them. PBS has great programming. It's entertaining, but also educational. It's good to sit down and watch those shows with your child. Between the ages of two and five, uh, you should limit your screen time to about one hour on weekdays and maybe three hours on the weekend when there's not when there's some extra time. But really, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't go beyond an, an hour on weekdays just because there's other things that they can be doing that will be more developmentally appropriate. After the age of six, 
just just set the healthy at the healthy limits on them you know if you're going over two hours on a on a weekday it's it's kind of time to reassess I've got three young kids of my own so believe me I understand the allure of that but you know learn about parental controls on on television and on phones that could be really helpful there are apps that will shut a phone down after a certain time limit has been reached and so right. that allows you to go about your day as an adult without having to to hover over your child's shoulder and you know, for every minute they're on the phone. As a parent, how would I accomplish this, trying to cut that screen time down? Yeah, well, as mentioned before, I think uh, cutting your own screen time down is a good first step because what what we've noticed is that a lot of kids consume media while their parents are consuming media. So while their parent is distracted on their phone, the child will pull out their their iPad or whatever it might be and, and start doing their own thing. And the parents enjoy the, the downtime. So find uh, good replacement activities, you know, develop hobbies with them that are outside or more active. Also, when they do watch shows, I, I like to treat it almost like you're reading a book to them uh, mm-hmm. where you're sitting down next to them and, and you're pointing out some of the positive things you're seeing like cooperation, good behaviors, friendships, things like that. Help them to understand the theme because a lot of times when you ask a child, well, what did, what was this, what's this show about? They'll say, oh, I don't know. And you just realize how zoned out they are. But helping them to understand some of the good morals behind the shows they're watching can be helpful. Understanding programming, you know, we use Common Sense Media um, in my family to look up the content of the shows. It's a free website that you can, that where parents kind of give descriptions of, of the content that's in a show. Well, now tell me about that. Common Sense Media, is this other parents that <clears throat> the, that they kind of feed information into this so everybody can, can read it and learn? So it has a basic description of the show written by the company, and and they'll kind of highlight some of the the themes and some of the things that might be uh, age-appropriate and age-inappropriate. And then they have a parent comment section, and then they actually have a kid comment section where kids can actually make comments on what they liked about the show and maybe what was scary. So you can really round out a show before you even watch the first episode. Um, And it's very helpful for especially families that have young children. And what's that called again? What's that website? That's Common Sense Media. Common Sense Media. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break. That's some great information. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the services Anna Shaw Children's Institute provides to children and their families. We'll be right back. Did you know that colon cancer claims over 50,000 lives each year? The good news is that colonoscopies save lives. Convenient appointments are available at Hamilton Medical Center's new Bandy Endoscopy Center, located at the corner of Broadrick and Memorial Drives. Hamilton follows CDC guidelines and screens for COVID-19 symptoms at the door. If you are age 50 or older or have a family history of colon cancer, ask your primary care provider to schedule your colonoscopy. Please don't delay important medical screenings. Your health won't wait. At Hamilton Hospice, we don't just care for the patient, we provide compassionate support for the entire family. Early intervention can significantly impact a patient's comfort and quality of life and allow family members to focus on embracing special moments with their loved one. Hamilton Hospice has provided compassionate, expert care to North Georgia for over 30 years. Call 706-278-2848 or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash hospice to learn more. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. 
Wear a mask to protect others. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. And stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more information, visit HamiltonHealth.com or CDC.gov. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. Welcome back to Health for Life. Today, talking with Dr. Evan Anderson, child psychologist at Anna Shaw Children's Institute. I'm glad you're with us. Dr. Anderson, we've learned a little bit about how you and the rest of the team at Anna Shaw Children's Institute helps children and families. But can you tell us more about some of the specific services that are offered at the Anna Shaw Children's Institute? Yeah, I can especially speak to the psychological services. We have um, an ABA therapies team, applied behavior analysts, and they specialize in working with with younger children who are having some pretty significant behavioral issues, who might be having safety issues. And they work with them for, for hours at a time, and they take time to to really shape the child's behavior and help them to be safer and help them to be more productive within the context of their own life. You know? Now, at what ages are they doing that? They work with very young children. You know, um, I think we've, we, we're working with uh, as young as two years old right now. And, goodness. Yeah, and our age group goes up to age 11. We do um, evalu- psychological evaluations. Uh, we do autism evaluations. So many times when, when children are having difficulty connecting with peers or maybe they, they have some, some odd behaviors, um, parents get curious about autism, and we, uh, we have a formal um, assessment process to where we can provide a, a, a formal and official diagnosis of autism if autism is present. Now, is autism, let's talk about that just briefly, uh-huh. is it important to uh, diagnose autism as early as possible? It is. They found that the earlier you can intervene, the better the outcomes. And so, you know, where that gets tricky is, of course, the younger the child is, the uh, the harder it is to <laughs> to give an official diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But as I said, we've got, we've got great trained professionals there. Uh, we recently got a neuropsychologist on staff that's going to help us with the assessment as well. And um, and a lot of services are, are tied to um, diagnoses, especially in school. Kids can't get services unless there's a diagnosis attached to it. And so, our goal going into any assessment is to give a an accurate diagnosis that's going to help kids connect to as many resources as possible to help them get ahead of the game, you know, and especially not to fall behind. So evaluation for for children can be very, very important, especially if they're starting to fall behind. We want to we want to help them catch up as soon as possible. Okay. We do group therapies. Uh, we have a social skills group. Our next social skills group will probably be starting in February. We do that in a socially distant way. We have this giant room that we meet in, and <laughs> we all, you know, we're all spread out, and but we can still talk with each other. Now, how do. many kids are we talking about? In that? Our last group had four, um, and I think the numbers were a little bit low just due to COVID and things like that. If you have six, maybe eight kids in there, I think that would be very good. Absolutely. When it came to being able to communicate. Yeah. And, you know, and the kids, they, they learn. And then they get to practice what they learn as they play with each other. And um, there's actually two groups. There's a parent group 
that meets, and I, I run the parent group, and then we have two facilitators that run the child group at the same time. And so the kids are learning things and practicing, and then the parents are learning how to support their children. And that's they, what you... And that's what I run, yeah. Okay. I run that side of it. And um, it ends up being a very impactful way to do and things. And there's no kids in this. There's only adults in what you're talking of. Uh, do, they, it, do, they, it, do they bring their kids with them? They do, yeah. And okay. They, okay. And, they, and they meet with the other facilitators. And uh-huh. so they, they play games with them, and they teach them principles of social interaction, and they teach them sharing, and they practice sharing and having conversations with each other. And we call it being social detectives, where they learn about their peers and like what they like to do and, and everything like that. Very interesting. Well, let, let me change gears for just a moment because there's a lot of listeners then they think they may want to come visit bring their kids they may be going through some of these things but they're afraid of COVID-19 mm-hmm. should there be a fear of COVID-19 at Anna Shaw Children's Institute we take exceptional precautions to to be safe everybody in that building has such a soft spot in their heart for children and want to do everything they can to protect children in every way. And that really comes out in how we have dealt with the pandemic. I mean, we're we're taking the precautions and we're going through all of the safety measures plus some. I mean, we um, we wipe down every toy after really? we use it. Really? That is it. Yeah. wonderful. We have, uh, we have some dishwashers that are specifically for toys and that thing's running all the time. Keeping our toys clean. We, we always scrub down the surfaces when we're done meeting. We all wear our masks and most employees have actually started wearing face shields as well on Mm -hmm. top of that. We're meeting in larger rooms so that we can social distance and and be safe that way. We have sanitation stations throughout and we're constantly washing hands and we're teaching our children to wash hands and, you know, we'll stand with them at the sink and sing the happy birthday song as they wash their hands with soap and water. And so we're teaching the kids how to be safe. And we're also staggering appointments so there's not a lot of people in the in the lobby at oh, once. I can't believe we've gone through 30 minutes already. I know. <laughs> I, I am so glad that you're a guest with us and, and you've been with us before. I hope you come back again sometime. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. Before you go, if there's anything that you would like to add, is there anything you'd like to leave with our listening audience? Yeah, you know, I think regarding screen time, I think as, as parents, we have a tendency to use screens as punishment for kids and we take them away and we get angry at them for using them too often. Really, we should be in an educational mindset. We should teach them how to use screens in a healthy way. And we should use screens as a motivator. When they when they accomplish tasks during the day, they have earned screen time. And I think we can use screens as a very healthy tool if we're careful with them. Great. Thank you. Dr. Evan Anderson from Anna Shaw Children's Institute. For more information about Anna Shaw Children's Institute, Phone 706-226-8900, 706-226-8900, or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash children. For an appointment at the Institute, please ask your child's pediatrician for a referral. This program in no way seeks to diagnose or treat illness or to replace professional medical care. Please see your health care provider if you have a health problem. Be a hero. Stop a stroke. If you think someone you're with is having a stroke, ask him to smile. Does his face droop? Have him raise both arms. Does one arm drift down? Can he repeat a simple phrase without slurring? If you see even one of these symptoms, call 911 right away. Because when it's a stroke, every second counts. Hamilton Medical Center has a nationally ranked, highly trained rapid stroke team ready to care for you. Hamilton Medical Center. Health for life. Is it time for a heart to heart? 
Ask your primary care physician if you should have a heart-to-heart with one of Hamilton Physician Group's board-certified cardiologists. If you have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or diabetes, this can be especially important. Hamilton Physician Group Cardiology, located at 1436 Broderick Drive in Dalton. Call 706-226-3434 or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash cardiology. That's 706-226-3434. Did you know that colon cancer claims over 50,000 lives each year? The good news is that colonoscopies save lives. Convenient appointments are available at Hamilton Medical Center's new Bandy Endoscopy Center, located at the corner of Broadrick and Memorial Drives. Hamilton follows CDC guidelines and screens for COVID-19 symptoms at the door. If you are age 50 or older or have a family history of colon cancer, ask your primary care provider to schedule your colonoscopy. Please don't delay important medical screenings. Your health won't wait. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. When a loved one is recovering at home from an injury, surgery, or illness, or needs assistance with disease management at home, Hamilton Home Health is here to help. Hamilton has provided compassionate, expert medical care in Northwest Georgia for over 30 years. Our nurses, social workers, and physical, occupational, and speech therapists work together to provide excellent medical care in the comfort of your home. Hamilton Home Health, 706-226-2848. Right care, right time, right at home. Hamilton Physician Group now offers telehealth appointments through your mobile phone, tablet, or computer. Connect with your healthcare provider in the comfort of your own home. Call any Hamilton Physician Group office or visit hamiltonhealth.com telehealth to schedule your appointment. Most health insurance plans are accepted and self-pay options are available. Hamilton Physician Group, we're here for you. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System. 